clear for takeoff. Once again, welcome to Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Jermaine And along with me, as always, is my astute, educational, incredibly handsome co-host. He is Aaron Huaska. <laughs> Aaron Huaska. He is Aaron Rogers, personal ayahuasca dealer. None other than Matt Solard, a.k.a. King's Liz. Liz. Uh, we're off to a great start, but say hello, my friend. Hey, hey, hey you, you'd think that you're the guy that's been uh, operating on energy drink and caffeinated <laughs> gum today, not me. Man, but, uh, Arawaska, uh, we might need to we might need to coin that one. Arawaska. Merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. We're gonna put this right up there with the Wesco was there shirts from the lost episode. But <laughs> yeah, uh, man, so it's, it's it's been. Listen, I mean. Kind of out it's of been, nowhere, man. I did not. Right. It dropped on a day you didn't expect, right? You know, it's funny because like Sunday, Rappaport drops a report that the Jets and the Packers had been talking again, and but no deal is imminent. That was the last line on his tweet. No deal is imminent. Which the second that he said that, I said to myself, that I mean, it's it's got to be coming down, right? Like it has yeah. to be because. Number one, earlier in the offseason, after the the Rogers Rogers made it known that he wanted to be a Jet, the all reports said, well, they're you know they're hammering out specifics. There, you know, the deal is ninety nine percent done with some of the reports, whatever. But ultimately, and we know a deal didn't get done, and it, it took a while to get done. So, uh, let's start there with the runway rundown. Aaron Rodgers is Jet. Finally, let's talk about the trade compensation real quick. So. The Jets send over a 2023 20, second round pick. They uh, get Aaron Rodgers. They pick swap with the Packers. Uh, they also get back a fifth round pick and they send the Packers a 2024 conditional second round pick that can become a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays. And they also send a sixth round pick this year. So uh, to repeat that, the the Jets get Aaron Rodgers. They get pick number 15. They get a 2023 fifth round pick. So that's this year. And the Packers get pick 13 in the pick swap. A 2023 second round pick, number 42 overall. A sixth round pick this year, number 207 overall. A conditional 2024 second round pick that can be a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays. So, you know, so I, I, I get the feeling we're on a little bit opposite ends here of the spectrum. Um, what, what were your thoughts on this deal? Both your immediate thoughts when it first came down and your thoughts 24 hours later. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're as far apart as you think. No, well, I mean, my initial apart. thought was, was, was going full <laughs> Frank, the tank flipping tables, like, you know, season's over. Uh, <laughs> Re- reality is the and and you know talking through a couple guys with with a couple guys on Discord right like if you told us this was the package two three months ago before we stewed on it and kind of got led one way or the other by the beat that or or national reporters that on it sounds like no one knew anything for the most part this entire way right it's like hey if we get out of there without giving up two first round picks that's probably good right um. I think the bones of the deal is what what was expected by kind of Jets fan consensus or, or I'll say rational fan consensus. I, I know Jeremiah kind of landed on that, right? And and I'll say the bones of the deal being pick 42, the second round pick, and then the conditional second first next year, right? I think those being the bones made a lot of sense for everybody. I, I think I, – I know – I'm I'm one where a lot I know a lot of Jets fans in the moment were freaking out about the condition. The condition to me is the one piece that like I'm totally good with. That made a lot of sense. I I said last time we recorded, I said I've, I've been saying for weeks that a playoff a playoff mandate or a playoff win or AFC Championship game incentive or or condition made no sense for green Bay to ever entertain that because you're put basically putting the chips in one to two to three games, right. Of playoff games, likely several, several of those on the road. 
and basically determining the fit of your pick. No, no GM is going to gamble on that. We basically got the Carson Wentz condition and really, you know, as, as Daniel Jeremiah framed it, it's, you basically want an injury guarantee. That's what this is. If Rogers goes down in training camp, if he goes down at the start of the year, we're protected and that's fine, right? If Rogers is playing 65%, I the, crunch the number that's 12 plus games. We're probably in the playoffs at that point. It's at worst we're picking similarly similarly to where we are this year, kind of middle of the middle of the pack. If you were to get injured on pick 13, we lose out the rest of the way. So ultimately that's not bad. Where and and <laughs> you you framed it up as us being on different sides. So I, I definitely in the moment I was pretty negative on it. And where I get frustrated with this and and certainly and there there's a lot uh, kind of being floated out there that there's probably a year two to this. There's probably more to come in terms of contract um, changes. But when you look at this, it's like we got no protection for retirement. We gave pick 42 over 43. It's a small thing, but it happened. It felt like the 13 and 15 swap in round one was kind of the sweetener kicker. And it, it just felt unnecessary to me, especially that that feels like one of those things where if we truly wanted wanted to use that or if green, it feels like Green Bay gets a lot more out of that exchange than we do. Like that was a much more pressing thing, which that makes it easy for us to go ahead and throw them a bone on it. But it's also like the closer you get to draft day, the more and more, I guess, value you can extract out of that swap. It just feels like on the margins across the the edges of this entire trade, the Jets conceded on every single one. And we really didn't get like our kicker that we got back was trading up 40, 40 picks in late day three. Right. And it's like, man, that's barely like we're going to get some dude that we liked in the senior bowl and he's maybe going to make the roster. Right. that That's where it feels kind of bad is if it does feel like we pay, play, paid a lot relative to what we maybe needed to um if he only plays one year it feels really bad right and and i think that's really kind of the core concept that we'll learn i assume we'll learn more over the coming days as cap gets cleared as contract stuff um gets figured out what we should get some clarity on that there's there's a few things to this list number one um the condition i'm fine with because like you mentioned Rogers gets hurt. We we if Rogers gets hurt early on, he doesn't play however many games. We keep the first round pick, which I'm fine with, right? Ultimately, I'm fine with. If he plays enough and he plays well enough and we're in the playoffs, hopefully, the Jets are in the playoffs. That's a late, that's a late first round pick anyway. Like I, yep. I don't assuming that they assuming, and I know this is a big assumption to make, assuming that they make the playoffs, they win a wild card game. Like if they're picking in the 20s, I'm sorry, I don't care. Like I just don't. So um, you know, a lot of people belly aching over not having one first round pick next year. Like they'll be fine without one first round pick. Now where, where we, I feel like we kind of differ a little bit is I don't care about those day three picks. Like, I just don't, I'm sorry. Like they mean nothing to me. And I understand they still have, they, they still have spots to, to fill. They still have holes in the roster and Listen, ultimately they got Michael Clemens in what the fourth round or fifth round, fifth round fourth. last year in the fourth yeah. round. So like, I get it. You know, you find those guys on, on day three, which, you know, I get it, but I also don't care that much. Like that, those picks mean nothing to me. Like a six round pick. That means nothing to me They're They'll be off the roster in a year. Well, I understand that a lot of draft Knicks are like, Oh, you want the darts at the board. You want it. You want to have all the darts. And I get that. But as currently constructed, and this is where people will on Discord will disagree with me, which is fine. As currently constructed, I do I just don't need all those picks. Like I don't care for those picks. I don't care about moving up. I don't care about moving down. It means nothing to me. What matters to me right now are the impact players. And make no mistake, Aaron Rodgers, four-time NFL MVP, is an impact player, even at age 39. And that's what I care about. And and I understand it's caveman brain and it's reductive. And it's results-based analysis, which I, I don't necessarily agree with. But Aaron Rodgers is the Jets quarterback in 2023, period. 
And yeah, that man, is and, a damn good thing. Like, that's and, and good. Let, and let's not get it twisted, right? Like, I've been on this pot. Aaron Rodgers was my preferred outcome right. of, of the quarterbacks. I think this is the move we needed to make. It's the best move we could have made. And ultimately, I agree with you, man. Like, the first round pick next year, really, who cares? It's it's not going to matter, right? It's going to be right. late. It's not, it's not going to matter. By the time that player is impactful, we're going to be on to the next phase of whatever this – this regime, whatever this team is with a right. new quarterback. Um, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and, and the jets are spiraling because we're playing Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle and, and we have a top, you know, 13 pick next year again, like great. Right. Yep. Cause he didn't, he didn't, he didn't satisfy the condition. And like, that's what people want at the end of yep. the day, which is why that condition means nothing to me. So I don't know. Yeah. The the big thing. And, and so I outlined all those, Really, the the big one, if you were to take one thing away from the trade, it's the round one pick swap. If you take that away, I love the trade. Like, it's it's pretty chalk what I thought it was going to be. And and it's not even that the pick swap is that big of a deal, right? It's two spots. It's not that big of a deal. It just felt like a, a concession we made when we didn't have to make it. And it it's one of those things where it probably doesn't really bite us. I don't know our board. I don't know how we value guys. But just going off consensus boards, going off of looking at team needs, good odds that Green Bay's Green Bay wanted to get up so that they're closer at getting a wide receiver, presumably in, in uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Leaping New England, you know, takes them right in front of a wide receiver needy team. But like if you if you just play it out, it's like if they take JSN and and um, New England decides they want to tackle, they could snipe our tackle, right? And it's one of those things where if if we if we held and did this exact same day on draft on draft day, just knowing what the board looks like, you have a little bit more comfort. Or if you're sitting at 13 and a quarterback slips, if you're sitting at 13 and you're sitting and JSN's on the board and you got teams trading up, we we saw it just last year, right? You had team teams traded up for um, Olave, uh, traded up for Williams, yeah, they traded up for Olave. Yeah, right? Jameson Williams is the one I was thinking of. Olave teams were trading up all. Uh, Jahan Dotson got taken early. Teams were trading up like crazy to get those wide receivers, right? So it's it, it just again, me it there's a very good chance it's not even relevant. It just felt like we we took that ability to get extra capital, get extra leverage, just turn it into more. And and I felt like we did it early and for no reason. But I feel like the thing about and and I agree with you to a point. But the thing about this year's draft class is, to me at least, it's pretty unimpressive. Um, quarterbacks are going to go earlier. They're going to go higher than 13, I think, ultimately. Uh, Richardson's the wild card to me. He's the one that I, I, I could see anywhere from top five to slipping. I saw a mock draft today. He was going to 23. Like I could see that variance, right? But we know, we know Stroud and Young are probably going off the board in top three. Uh, not, not buying the S2 test type, whatever yeah, the I mean, that thing I, is. <laughs> I don't know if Stroud, I, I honestly don't know if Stroud's going number two overall, especially if like the D'Amico Ryan's wanting a defender stuff is legitimate. Those rumors at number two, like they're passing on all the quarterbacks. It's fine, but somebody's going to trade up for Stroud, like period. Right. Re- whether it's, it's it probably not going to be a two, but uh, depending, maybe it's a three, maybe it's it, you know, maybe the Colts, the, he's going no later than four, right? If the Colts were picking a four, so. Ultimately, th- those two will be gone in the top five. Levis is something of a wild card again. Uh, Anthony Richardson something of a wild card, but I also don't see them lasting past the top 10. Teams will jump in. Now, the receiver thing is interesting because I think JSN is the clear number one receiver in this draft. Whereas last year, you had Olave, you had Jamison Williams, you had those guys go after Garrett Wilson, where this year it's, it's just JSN, and I feel like teams won't, depending on... I get your point of like, okay, well, it's sticking at 13. You know, you could potentially slide back if, if JSN's on the board there, but it it just doesn't mean that much to me, ultimately. I, I, if he's there at 15, which I think is, is a reasonable assumption to make, I don't think he's he's going at 13. Um, if he's there at 15, you can still trade back. Yep. Teams will be more willing to do business because they don't have to jump up that high at that point. So I also think that the pick swap tells me that I feel like the Jets are kind of high on Darnell Wright, ultimately, uh, at right tackle. I feel like that's what this means to me. 
because I'm pretty sure everybody knows, or at this point, the top three tackles in Skaronsky, Johnson, and Broderick Jones are going to be off the board mm-hmm. by the time the Jets pick, which is why they're trading down, which is why they did the pick swap, feeling comfortable with Wright being there at, at 15 or later. That's that's the feel I get. So I don't know, man. Uh, I, I I get your point. Like you're you're essentially removing the option for a team to jump up and to and for you to trade back and pick up more capital. But two spots, it does it doesn't mean anything to me. Like it, it just at the end of the day, like it doesn't mean it's what the equivalent of a of a fourth rounder, depending on the board that you're looking at. Pick, so like pick uh, pick one hundred on the dot, which is this year conditional third. So yeah, it's, okay. it's fringe third fourth. Yeah, whatever. Like okay, great. <laughs> again, uh, I know we want to keep building or- organically and keep building the roster through the draft and all that stuff, but they're in a position now to say, you know, the old less need F them picks. Like, just go for it, man. Just go for it. So, uh, yeah, and I, and I ask- do agree. I do agree. Like, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the 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 pick stuff really is. It, it's not going to make a big difference. A lot of yeah. it's going to be, like you said, who we take in round one, and then it's going to be the roster we got and you need Aaron to revert to right. not what he was last year. You need, he, you don't need MVP here. And I don't think we need MVP here. And I think we need clearly better than last year. And and even if he's only 20% better than last year, if he's Jared Goff level play last year, right. Then this is a very competitive team. Right. You know, I think for me too. And, and like I said, don't look up my discord messages from criticizing Rogers from 2022. It wasn't as much about, I just as an aside, just tangent, but I really don't think it was as much about Rogers' skill position group last year, which was very clearly de- depleted. And he started to get something going with Christian Watson later in the season. But for me, it, it he just, his decision making was questionable all last year. Maybe some of that was just forcing it to his guys. Maybe some of that was just he's 30, 38, turning 39. And Maybe he was losing it. Maybe he was bored. Maybe he was just trying to make something happen. I don't know. I really don't know. So I don't want to make it seem like they're getting MVP Rodgers, but the goal is for them to get a motivated Rodgers, which is what he seems right now. It looks like he's got a chip on his shoulder. So Yeah, well, and and I think on the chip on the shoulder thing, I think that is, I don't want to say it's glossed over because it's clearly not, right? Pissed off Rodgers is a big narrative. But like the apathy that he seemingly had for that situation that leaks into your play, right? Like when, when you're going through that last season, you know, they want that, you know, that they've been waiting to try to move on from you and haven't been able to, because you've gotten MVP two years in a row. Now, right. when you see all these other, you see the Eagles trading for AJ Brown, you see all these teams trading up for wide receivers. And then you see your team sitting there with two first round picks. Cause you trade away Devonte Adams. And they're sitting there and taking two defenders in the first run again, right? Like just everything that he said on the Pat McAfee show of kind of really <laughs> where, where the bridge got burned between him and that green Bay front office. It's like that bleeds into his play. That clearly shows kind of just in his whole attitude on the field last year. And you, you hope that, you know, being in this new environment, being motivated, you know, hopefully healthy without a finger injury, hopefully, on the better page with his wide receivers. And I think we have a much talented, more talented uh, pass catcher group than green Bay had last year. You know, it all plays a part. I, I think Rogers is going to be good this year. Like I think he'll be good. How funny is it going to be when the Packers take uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba number 13? Oh yeah. Yep. How funny is that going to be? That's going to yep. be hysterical, but we'll see. So this so is a question for you to play. Let's let's obviously we're both satisfied with the trade. Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback, Ray. But that that's still, to your point, and, and the points you were making, that doesn't exactly absolve Joe Douglas in the situation. So a question for you. Why not wait through the draft? I, like, I, what, I, why not just, why not wait? Like, why, what, like, what's the downside to saying, dude, you're not getting a pick this year, like, and, and just Joe Douglas just playing hardball with him. You're like, sorry, you're not getting a pick if you're going to be this way. Like what? What's the harm in waiting through the draft? I don't think there is, man. Like, I I'm I'm trying to think of the upside of doing it early, and and I heard you know folks of, of having all sorts of opinions. You know, some saying, "Hey, you don't want to you don't want to burn a bridge with the Green Bay front office," or or 
you know, put up a sign that, hey, we're, you know, we're not going to know. We've negotiated clearly in good faith this entire time, in my opinion. Um, I, d- I don't know, man. Like, I feel like there's no reason not to wait. I feel like the like if this was the base value, it could have only gone up as the board started to unravel. Right. Um, maybe just to have the clarity, maybe just to exhale and have it done. Um, I, so that you could get Rogers and have your press conference on Wednesday afternoon and have everyone feeling good going into the draft and, and take the weight off your shoulders. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, w- I would have waited. <laughs> I would have waited until we were on the clock at pick 13. And then I would have, if- dude, I would have would just wait. I would have waited until Sunday. Yeah. Like, hey, like you screw your pick. I, I mean, just wait. Like, like I said, I don't, I think that's the one thing that I'm wrestling with is that this this package, this trade package, is pretty much exactly what we had discussed, right? Like you give up the two, which is you know partially why I think you trade Elijah Moore so you can have the extra two. You give him a conditional pick next year, which maybe we said it was conditional three with you know escalators throughout, but a conditional two that can be a one. I like the condition; it's fine. The pick is fine; it means nothing to me, right? So like I'm fine with with the general compensation, but it's also a matter of like. I think it was Foots who brought this up, and you know a lot of people brought this up, but they mentioned Green Bay didn't want him there. He didn't want to be there. They weren't going to pay him. And yeah, you might be playing the waiting game into the summer, but ultimately, you did the green. Like when you think about it, and I hate I hate this debate. What leverage did Green Bay have ultimately, other hey. than we have we have two quarterbacks and you have none? They right. they they are they were not going to trade him to San Francisco for a seventh round pick or whatever was, garbage people right. were coming up. Like, right, just the like the, just from a cap perspective situation, and Rogers needing to didn't need to agree to get traded, but no one's going to trade for him unless he's ag- going to agree to play for them. Right, it's like there there was no out for Green Bay, and that's where the frustration on the value comes in. It's like it's one thing if you if you pay what we feel is at value and you move on and you just get it done, move on. But it feels like we gave a little bit more and we didn't need to. It, it just felt like there, there was no point in triggering when we did feels, right. feels like we, we were making them sweat it out, but then we, we just blinked early. It just, like I said before, this feels like a woody thing. Yeah. It really I can does see that for sure. It feels like, it feels like he wanted good vibes heading into the draft it it didn't it felt like he was getting impatient get some it, jersey sales get going. jersey sales right that's that's get what it felt like to me going and listen it's a woody johnson the, thing put the it's, jets in the conversation right this is exactly what woody johnson does right and you know well you want to take it a step further how about primetime games right the schedule is released in mid-may if this continues on into the summer do the jets get their five primetime games that they're probably going to get this year probably yeah, do they like do they Good get question. do they get hard knocks because they're pretty I, I i hate i hate this i hate this i love With it a fiery passion i love it baby. i hate this i do not want hard knocks let's go get a all. snack baby <laughs> no no i don't want it i don't want hard knocks but Seriously, without Rodgers, do the Jets get hard knocks? Like, so that to me reeks of like publicity. Like, we want the publicity now. We want to get the wheels in motion. And it's not just good for Woody either. It's good for the league financially. Like, all of that is good for the league financially. Right. I mean, like, and and I know this is a total aside. There are some juicy, we play some good freaking teams this year, man. There are some Mm -hmm. juicy matchups like Mahomes, Rodgers could be a matchup. Us playing the Eagles, us playing the Giants. Of course, the Bills or the the Dalt, like there are some good matchups. I expect a lot of primetime games. Mm-hmm. And like I was all convinced now that Sunday ticket is finally off direct TV that I was gonna buy Sunday. I, I might not get Sunday ticket this year just because we're gonna have so many primetime games. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in the uh put it on the Jet Fuel Jet Discord podcast budget. <laughs> yeah. We can expense that out. Put it on the credit card. Sounds um, good, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's the part that, like, I I get the the debate, but like, what's the end game then? Are you like just waiting out the Packers until Week One and saying, okay, here's a here's a six round pick next year, enjoy? 
Like, I don't think that was ever realistic either. You know, I, I don't know. I, th- I think there are some delusional Jets fans who thought, well, we can get Rodgers for, you know, a fourth round pick and a fourth round. Like, that was never happening, period. I don't think that was ever, ever happening. But I don't know. I don't know. It feels fair. It, it feels like a good deal for both sides, ultimately. So throw my hands up. It's done. Rodgers is here again. Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet. Aaron Rodgers is a Jet quarterback. What a glow up, right? What a glow up. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be sweet. And, and you know, there's really, it's more and more. It's hard to say there's sources because it's so, it's also ambiguous, but there's, there's reports that apparently he's going to rework his contract. Right. And, right. and it feels like that would have to be on the player options. He's picking up potentially in 2024, which would be next year. I think this year's option, which is the 60 million that gets prorated over, I think four years. I think that's pretty much set in stone. So it, it, it'll be interesting if he does, like if we get Aaron Rodgers for two years, I think it's a slam dunk. Right. Yes. And and especially if he does some contract stuff to help us be more competitive next year, which which we will need because um, we've spent a lot of money and that's not even including this pending quinning, hopefully contract extension. Right. Yeah. Sipping, sipping tea. Yeah, that's it. I put this down on our notes. So let's go there next, Liz, um, to put a to put a bow on the Rogers thing on the contract situation. Fortunately, we don't have. Details yet, but supposedly to your point, lots of rumors, Connor Hughes, SNY, some other places, Mike Garofolo, NFL Network said there seems to be a rework in the in the in the process and the works. We should know more, I guess, by the time Rogers is introduced tomorrow at 2 p.m. I saw one the report say maybe tomorrow at 4 p.m., but Wednesday at 4 p.m., I should say. So we should know more then, I guess, on a rework deal. Well, and- at the latest, so at the latest, the trade needs to be official by draft start. Right. And to do that, we need to clear to make the draft, the, the trade official. We need to clear, I think, at least six million dollars in cap space. So something needs to happen. And, and maybe maybe it's just stretching Lawson or Mosley or something before we even get to the Rogers contract. So, but something needs to happen within the next. 24, 48 hours contract wise with somebody. How much do we save by cutting Jordan Whitehead? Enough. Yeah. I feel like enough. Seven mil, I think. I feel like that would be the move, at least on its surface on the surface. I'm down. I feel like because Chuck Clark is, I mean, you make the trade for Chuck Clark, right? And you're not I feel like like you're not devoting enough snaps to both of those guys because neither is a free safety, ultimately. So I don't know, man. I guess we'll see. But uh we should know soon. But to your point, we touched on it before. This whole Quinn and Williams contract situation feels like it's getting ugly in a hurry, but maybe some of that is just the timing with the Rogers deal, trying to figure that out. But the fact that Joe Douglas comes out and says he feels optimistic today and Quinn and Williams goes out and tweets optimistic with quotes and him sipping tea like the Kermit meme. It doesn't feel good. It, it doesn't feel good right now. And you would think that if you're Joe Douglas in the Jets front office who are negotiating with with his agent, saying, listen, man, we just hold on because we want to figure this Rogers thing out first to know what money we're working with in the future. So just stay patient. The fact that Quinn goes to Twitter and, and puts out what he does tells me that it's not as close as maybe people think it is. So what's your read on the entire situation? It just feels it feels off. Something doesn't feel right. So I, I was listening to a podcast within the past couple of weeks and it was talking about like Je- the Jeffrey Simmons extension. Right. And it was talking about not only like good for Simmons and he got paid and he got good market value. And, and I think, I think Quinnen should get a little bit more than Simmons. And I think unless Quinnen's camp is being, is really shooting for Aaron Donald money, which I understand why they would, but it's like you slot him just, a little bit above Simmons and, and it should be easy to, to land there. Right. But one of the, one of the discussion points around that was they have a new GM in Tennessee and his, one of his first moves when he gets there is to lock up a guy that Tennessee drafted. That's a leader. That's an absolute stud. Right. And JD's entire tenure and, and every trade was, was, 
correct. It was justified, right? But we've shipped out guys. And that's been the Jets MO for years now, right? right. I think who's the last guy we paid? Mohammed Wilkerson, right? Like yes, it's been yeah. almost a decade since we've paid somebody, right? And and you think um uh, the way that the Marcus May situation went down too, right? Um which that was really probably the guy that you'd consider. And and I know there was off field stuff. I'm glad we didn't pay him. I think we took the right approach there. But when you get a guy like Quinn in and then you have younger guys right now and sauce and Garrett and AVT, right? Like they're, these guys talk, you know, they, you need to set a precedent. You need to get Quinn in locked up because it sets the precedent for guys in the future as well. Assuming JD is going to be around that long, right? Right. Like we, you need to. It needs to get sorted because it, it matters. Right. Not only does it matter, but I mean, how many times say what you will about Joe Douglas's GM and the decisions he's made, it really feels like he's always done right by the player in some way, right? Um. He's always he's always like when he's cut when he cut. I I always think of uh. Steve McClendon, when he released Steve McClendon, or traded Steve McClendon, McClendon latches, latches on with the Bucks, and what happens? He wins the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Um, it always feels like he 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 sends these guys off. Like he sends Jamal Adams to Seattle, fine. He gets the picks for him, fine. But Jamal Adams, Seattle ends up paying him, right? He gets his money ultimately. So, uh, anytime he he ships off guys, it always feels like he does right by the player. So, this is the next big test for him is to make sure this deal gets done. Because I don't want another Riva situation where, you know, this guy should be paid, but instead it's, it comes in here with his head ass and he trades him away. Like it's just, it's stupid. So yeah, it, it just, something doesn't feel right. Like it feels off. And the fact that a deal hasn't been done yet, it's just, I hope it's done soon. It should be done soon. It could come together very quickly. Uh, Nicole Lynn just got, just got Jalen hurts the bag. So uh, maybe he's, she's just, clearing space for another one for Quinnen, but and I don't know. It feels like a yikes. It feels like a yikes right now. In other contract news, Sliz, Connor McGovern resigns. We still don't have any details on that as far as I've seen, which is interesting. What What is your projected, if you had to take a guess at what, what he's back for? Uh, yearly? I, you know. I'm assuming a one-year sh- stretched over forever with void years. I really hope it's two years though. And and that might be unpopular, but especially with us sending out a two with us sending out a one next year, I don't want to go through this show again next year. I don't want to draft a center either. I know there's a lot of, a lot of mo- draft there was, center. Yeah. Everyone, everyone was all, you know, convinced we were going to draft a center because we didn't have a center that we, we don't need to draft one. We're not the Eagles. We can't, we cannot afford to draft a guy to, sit on the bench all year that 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 makes no sense right um i love i love that we brought him back i there was a ton of reporting that the bridge was basically burned that he was not an option for us he didn't want to come back i'm glad we got it done i know there's been a lot of criticism of connor mcgovern i think in general you point to a couple things a he's been on the field his entire tenure here for the most part huge yes and He's not dealing with rookies. He's not dealing with Mike White. He's going to have a veteran elite quarterback. Takes a lot of the mental edge off of it. It helps a lot. I I wanted a veteran center. I, I think, you know, comments from Rodgers going back a couple of years when they, they took the kid out of Ohio State rookie center that wasn't an amiable situation wasn't something that he particularly enjoyed. I think going into a do or die year or two relying on a rookie center, I thought was always a bad idea. Uh, and I, I know, I know people look at AVT, look at year one Becton, but you, and you look at like a Creed Humphrey and, and he's hitting the ground running. Like those, those, those are kind of exceptions, right? Rookies struggle a lot. And, it, and it's not a rare thing for rookies to struggle. And if you waste a year on a rookie struggle at a key position, then it's not good because we only have one or two years. So, um, yeah, man, I'm I'm happy with it. I hope it's two years. Again, kind of just locked down. S- two years signals to me that we have we do feel pretty confident in two year plan too. 
I think, you know, independent of Rogers move, I think it, it helps there. Continuity. Continuity. That's all I want. So especially on the offensive line, right? The, yep. the, I mentioned that before. There's something to be said for continuity and McGovern's been there, but he's dealt with, or the offensive lines dealt with injuries to AVT last year and Becton and tackle situations been terrible. So I'm not the biggest McGovern guy. Like he goes through, he has games where he looks really good. He has games where he looks really bad, but overall, I think he's been a net positive. Like he's been a, a top 13, 12 center in the league. I don't think that's a stretch to say, which, you know, hang the banner for that, I guess. But ultimately it's that he's just a good solid player, right? He's just a good solid player. So I'm I'm glad be, and I'm also glad because with their shipping off that second round pick, now we don't we don't actually have to use that second yeah, round pick. We, we don't have, we don't have to force a need, which no. that was gonna feel really bad, especially if center started popping off early round two and we're uh, it, it, yeah, it could have been disaster in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. I I agree big time. And and two, with with the way that the center market went and with the timing of this, I don't think it's a massive contract either, right? Where mm-hmm. you know, there were thoughts maybe that, you know, we paid McGovern eight million a year on his last contract and he played well, he was gonna get that or and then some, right? I, I think yeah. it's probably closer to four million spread over however many. And that's totally that's totally solid. That's yeah, good. that's acceptable. Yeah, it's good. Good number. Good number. So, Sliz, let's take a look ahead. This is the flight plan, and this is draft heavy, baby. NFL draft on Thursday night, first round kicks off. Uh, so, the picks that the Jets are working with currently: round one, pick fifteen from Green Bay, obviously. Round two, pick number forty-three overall. Round four, pick one twelve. Round five, pick one forty-three, and round five, pick one seventy. So. One pick on the first two nights, and then three day three picks. Not a whole lot of capital to, to work with. Uh, I, I think outside of that first round pick, which I can see them trading down from, depending on how the board falls. I don't really see them making a whole lot of moves up or down either. So, all right, let's let's talk number one. Let's talk pick pick fifteen, Sliz. Um. The Jets are stuck in no man's land with this pick in a few ways. The top three tackles, I've mentioned this on the last podcast, I mentioned on this one, will probably be off the board. And that's Paris Johnson Jr., Peter Skaronsky, and uh, Broderick Jones will probably all be off the board. I think Jones is a little more iffy because he's a project player and he needs work at the next level. But I still think that his upside is, is really solid and teams will take that risk, right? So at that point, is it Darnell right? Like, do they do they stick him at right tackle? Like, do you just draft him play right tackle? Your biggest needs, uh, free safety, linebacker, defensive tackle, are not going to be value picks there, right? You're not taking you're not taking a free safety. I think the Sporting News mock draft has us taking Brian Branch, which I'm good. I guess like I I don't know that wouldn't yeah, that wouldn't been, really he's been slipping a lot on every yeah. single board and yeah particularly well yeah uh, linebacker I mean I feel like I saw one mock draft that had them taking Trent Trent Simpson like um no no I'm good there's there's uh there's some rumorville discussion maybe Kalaja Kansi which I'm not I'm not big on that at 15 either and mm. it's like. That's a pit, and and he's, I mean, he's a electric player. He can attack. He can attack, but it's like, man, we are just thrown in the towel against any team that wants to try to run on us, right? And especially like if Quinn ever gets hurt, we are just never stopping the run if we do that. But Cassie's an interesting guy because he's a guy that I've seen mocked very high, like top fifteen. Yeah, his, his, and his he's also like is his variance yeah. is like second round, like mid second round. It's very strange. Very strange. The combine does funny things to people. He had a, a very, very good combine, but you know it is what it is. Uh, do, do you force a wide receiver pick at that position? I mean, if JSN's on the board, do you do you make that selection? Do you? I don't. I don't know, Sliz. I don't know. So you put yourself in in Joe Douglas's shoes. Thursday night, Jets are on the clock. What are you doing with that pick? So there's a couple of things. So. 
first I want to plug Jets core did a couple polls this week and got our positional needs and then kind of ranked up our top four tackles. Right. And so positional needs is probably pretty chalk. Um, We had tackle tackle number one, safety number two, defensive tackle number three tied with linebacker. Maybe the shocker there is that wide receiver so low. I assume that's just with the assumption we're keeping Corey, and if we keep Corey, that room's pretty pretty locked down, right? It's pretty good. In the room. Yep. So, um, no, and I and I generally agree with it. I think coming out of the first with round one and round two, you need a guy that can push to start at tackle, and you need a guy that can play five hundred snaps at defensive tackle. And if I were making the picks, I think. I think the signaling from our staff is that our we were fine with our safety room. I think the signaling from our staff is certainly that we're comfortable at least with our starting two linebackers. And then I think a Quan Alexander can be had at some point in the offseason or that that type of guy, right? Um, and then you can you grab an athletic linebacker that we try to develop on day three. Um that I think you need to tackle it that way. I whether that's Darnell Wright in round two or round one, sorry, at 15, or whether that's taking Cansey if he's the guy and then um, grabbing maybe one of the more ticky tack tackle guys in round two. I don't know. I I think you need those two spots and the best way to address those two spots. And I've, I've put together charts. I've, I've been shouting it from the rooftops good tackles get drafted in round one yes. right all pro pro bowl tackles are by and large not always there there's always exceptions but by and large they're round one talents i think the path here take the tackle round one get the defensive tackle round two fill everything else out with those day three picks and, you and think, everything else being, you know, wide receiver six slash punt returner being yep. a linebacker being whatever the hell else we want. Do you think there's a chance that DeWan Jones falls to 43? I think there's a good chance and I don't want him personally. Yeah. Why's that? <laughs> I think it's a, um, um, how how to put this? It's it's a Mackay Becton. It's all the the downside of a Mackay Becton pick without the athletic upside in my mind. Huh. Interesting. I, I I I just and I'm not a fan. Okay, that's fine. He was a sexy name for a while, you know. He's just like I don't. I see the sour look on your face. I'm just preparing you mentally. Yeah, yeah. He has a he had he had a good block what block rate win percentage or something like that. Uh, PFF put out a tweet. It, where Paris Johnson was actually bottom of the list, but um, and, and that's interestingly how how Jets Cord ranks the top four tackles is Paris Johnson at one, Skaronski at two, which I I've said it and and maybe trading out of thirteen to fifteen saves us from Skaronski. Maybe New England snipes him. That, that feels like a dude who'd go to New England and be a stud there for twelve years, right? Um, I I'm not confident in him as a tackle. Um, and I think we have invested so much at guard. I just don't love that value proposition. Yeah. Elite, elite linemen are elite linemen. You get them when, where you can take them, but <clears throat> I'd take an above average tackle or an average tackle over another stud guard based on where we're at now in our window and, and what we need to do. Um, Broderick Jones, the Jets court had at three. I'd take him over Skronsky personally. Um, and then we had Darnell right at four, which I think for the most part is probably pretty chalk with with consensus boards. But yeah, what is it about Darnell Wright that that <clears throat> is it just the fact that he's likely a pure right tackle at the next level? What is it about him that that he's consistently the fourth and a distant fourth at that? So it's interesting, right? Like, and you look back at like the the Mackay Becton tackle draft, right, where you. And this, don't get me wrong, this tackle draft is not nearly as good as that tackle draft, right? I don't think any of these four guys are in the top four in that draft. But you look at, and, and Mackay Becton's a good example. If you go if you go back and look at like February, even especially pre-combine boards, Mackay Becton was like a mid-second round pick. And then he's just, he was one of those guys that 
certainly the athletic testing was crazy and he just climbed and climbed and climbed. And I've said it all off season where everyone's like, Oh, we'll have our choice of tackles at 13. It's like, no, no, no. Tackles always rise because tackle is a premium position. Tackles get paid and tackles a spot that you, if you don't have one, you're hurting. It's not something you can really mask. It's not something you can just hodgepodge together. Like you can a, a wide receiver two or three sometimes with bodies like tackles are huge in this league and tackles always rise. And I think it's just the case of he's probably a guy that's truly more of a back half beginning of round two guy. That's just climbing due to need. I think being a right tackle locked, type guy certainly hurts him relative to the other three who all play play left tackle and and certainly Skronsky has the versatility then on top of that to bump inside if you think you need to do that um you kind of saw it too with with Werfs right going back to that draft he was seen as the right tackle and he was taken last as a result and and that was even with pretty elite athletic testing for Tristan Werfs so I, I think that that does play a big part of it Worfs ended up being pretty good though. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He was right there. He did. Hey, he I, right I saw I saw a take that JD traded out just so that he wouldn't have two two choices so he couldn't pick the wrong tackle. Right. <laughs> he'll he'll, 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 he'll take option. the guy that's left over and he'll hit as a result. What what uh, let me ask you this, Liz. Come the first round, pick fifteen, what would make you happy? I, I what, think any of the tackles and and I'll begrudgingly say even Pete, but I'd rather not Pete. I'd rather I'd rather I'd I'd like any of Johnson, Jones, or Wright at at fifteen, or or a trade back. I I'm always team, and and I would want a trade back with the anticipation of then moving up with our second round pick. I think you look to kind of thread the needle and get two value picks from you know, early twenties to mid to early thirties. I think if you can get two picks in that range, that's probably we'll get two impact guys with, with, and and we touched on it with the McGovern signing. We really don't have a lot of holes. We need a a D tackle that can take up snaps. Ideally someone that's not a total liability against the run because Quentin Jefferson and Solomon Thomas are not stopping the run. Um, We need a guy that can compete in the tackle room and then, you can kind of you can get a guy that can probably take a spot, right? We we talked free safety, we talked linebacker, but you're kind of getting complementary pieces at that point. Where I think you can get you can get two guys, you know, if you're looking at what is it, Anton Harrison, the the mm-hmm. Oklahoma kid, the tackle. If you move back a little bit, you can probably posture there and then maybe move up and get a Brian Brzee if he's falling, get a kind of more premium defensive tackle that you'd feel good about. A question about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, there, there's always debates about who cares where a receiver plays, because the goal is to is to create mismatches ultimately, right? And JSN seems like a guy who's like your super slot type prospect. I, I know that Justin Jefferson coming out. A lot of people said the same thing about him. They said, "Oh, well, he's a slot guy." But Garrett, Garrett Wilson was a slot lock guy this time last year. And and to that credit, the just started playing him in the slot last year. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, some saw Chris Olave as a slot lock guy. I, I don't think it it's mattering as much unless you're, you're actually tiny. I think modern NFL offenses are, are making it work with these guys. I think it depends where he goes that being Smith and Jigba, but I, I don't think he's going to be slot locked. I think college usage, especially we've seen at Ohio State, is a little wonky, right? Where they have an NFL wide receiving court, wide receiver corps in college, and they're they're just they're putting guys and and just cooking dudes. So I, I I'm not I'm not sweating it too much with JSN, even if he is slot locked, he, he's going to be fine. Is his route running good enough to play on the outside? I think so. Because it seems like a lot of a lot of his scouting reports that are out there all saying the same thing that his route running won't blow you away, his speed won't blow blow you away, but it's the agility, it's what he can do with the ball in his hands after the catch that really that sets him apart. I mean, to me, a... that doesn't scream like that doesn't scream worth it at that at top ten pick, 
top 12 pick. I mean, you know, I'll use I'll use a different school, but another kind of wide receiver you as of late and USC. That's a that's a different body types, different slightly different players, but that's a similar scouting report to Amon Ross St. Brown. That's a similar scouting report to Michael Pittman. Um, I know Pittman's obviously the biggest of the three by by a good margin, but those guys have made it work. At, right. You know, and been very good and very productive. I think most teams in a redraft, if they could, would take them on St. Brown in a in a in in round one, probably pretty early if he could, right? And and he is purely slot locked. He's you know, he hasn't played outside. Um, so I I I don't think it's a big deal. If like if you're looking team like Green Bay that already has Christian Watson and, and probably Romeo Dobbs on the outside, you you're fine taking them in the slot. Right. If you're a team like the Eagles, you have AJ Brown, you have Devontae Smith on the outside. You're fine sticking them in the slot, right? There's lots of teams. It's it's an 11 personnel league for the most part. There's lots of teams where getting that premium third guy, it doesn't matter if he's inside or outside as long as you already have at least one dude outside, it, it'll be fine. But then it's it's the matter of, well, there's only one ball to go around, right? Like it gets to a point like, yes, you're taking this guy to play to play slot receiver, but is it really valuable if he's not getting, you know, a hundred targets, if he's not getting, you know, whatever a year. Well, right? I, th- I think I think if you're picking Smith and Jigba, and I think if you're playing him in the slot, especially, I think you are giving him a hundred ta- targets. I think it's the team you look at, right? And and a dude who's all, all discourse around him is totally toxic in every every way is Christian Kirk with that contract situation. But that that is the epitome of he played primarily in the slot last year with Zay Jones and Marvin Jones on the outside, and he got spam targets. They gave him bubble screens. They, they gave him everything over the sun under the sun. He they spam that dude with targets. I think if you're taking Smith and Jigba at 13 or, or below right in the, in the top half of the draft, I think you are feeding that man and, and he'll be productive with it. Sliz is very upset. If the jets do what in round one, pick Jackson Smith and Jigba. <laughs> <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong. I think that'd be good. I just don't think it's necessary, man. I, th- I think our wide receiver group is, is fine. Actually, yeah. Um, Bijan Robinson. I know some people have been oh, wanting that. Like that ain't no way, dudes. I, no. The 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 thing that kills me, man, and and Sauce is a stud. DJ Reed played so good last year. There's gonna be a very very good corner probably sitting there at 15, and we're gonna pass on him because we just don't need a corner and it doesn't make sense. And it. Like if we pass, if Joey Porter Jr. sitting there and we pass on him, it it's just gonna feel bad, and we can't pick him. Like I'm not saying we should pick him, but it's just gonna suck. I also don't so, want a tight end. I know there's been this whole like tight yeah. end movement thing. It, like, it, not this year. Like it's Another, a good year for tight ends, but uh-huh. it it again it just doesn't it just doesn't jive, folks. It doesn't jive. Another another draft specific question for you, Sliz, before we move on, start closing this bad boy out. Tight ends in the first round. Where do you stand on it? Because Dalton I, Kincaid, I am uh, I'm team. If you, I, I am team. You're drafting a tight end in the first round to develop him for his next team, right? I, I'm I'm a, I'm in that camp, and uh, you don't feel that Michael Mayer is that guy this year. No, I, I, if there's a guy, I think it's kind of that value you're getting that Darnell Washington and early round two, mid round two and, and kind of cutting them loose. But um, Kincaid Meyer, like you look at like a Cole commit, right. And and he was an early round two guy. I think he was the first guy in his draft. Like even, even a TJ Hawkinson, who is very, very productive, like, it's just it's not the impact you need it's not the impact you want i don't know i I, i'm 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 not a round one tight end guy there's you know there there's a whole running backs don't matter discourse and you should never draft a running back in round one the i saw a whole thread about the case for tight ends might be even more damning than than for for running backs, to be quite honest. So it's hardest position to tra- that translate to to figure out the NFL. You're I get learning, it, but. 
you're learning two positions, right? You need to mm-hmm. be competent as a blocker and you need to be competent as a receiver. And then there's all the different formation usages off of that. Like there, there's a lot, right? And that's where like, and, and I said last year that I didn't hate the Jeremy Rucker pick. Like that's where I think you should take your tight ends. You get vets in your one and two spot or your, at least your one spot and you let the rookie develop for it. I th- it's a two year development. I think, you're looking for that guy to take the step in year three. And for us, for a tight end, year three is when we're doing our, hopefully just a soft reset, if not hard reset post Rogers, right? It, it, it just doesn't jive for us. It's Sunday afternoon. Sliz is enjoying a nice uh, prosciutto and mozzarella sandwich with some red peppers on a, on a nice uh, semolina roll, soft, new, fresh, enjoying drinking a green tea. Maybe man, I don't even, I don't even know where I can find that <laughs> in the Midwest, man. Like, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even, I, I have no idea where I would go to get one of those right now. If I, if, if you, if you told me I had to go get one, I'll FedEx you one. It's fun. <laughs> but uh, the point is, you're sitting there on Sunday afternoon. You're scrolling through your phone. You're looking at the Jets draft. Ultimately, what what is the Jets draft or who are the players that would make you happy, happiest in this draft? Outside of the t- tackles, we talked about the tackles, but uh, so you're looking at this draft, who would satisfy you? I'm going to go with, you know, get, get my nerd cap on. Day three, I want one of... There, there, I, there's one of several wide receivers I'd be okay with, but I'm looking at like a Charlie Jones, a Ronnie Bell. Um, there's two or three names that are escaping me right now. The kind of the slightly larger, probably slot prototype guy that can punt return. I want one of those guys on day three. Um, and it, it's a couple things. I think it's a year one impact where they're hedging injury from a guy. I don't want to see Denzel Mims play a single snap for the Jets this year. Um, I think I don't necessarily want to just hand McCall Hardman the punt return job. I want I want to have an alternative there. Um, and when you look at next year, uh, I you know, day day three guys aren't going to make or break our two year window here. Um, certainly not the year the one year window. But when you look at next year, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, McCall Hardman all free agents, right? The only guys we will have Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard. And that's, that's it for the wide receiver room. I think that's one where you, you grab that guy in round four, early round five. And even if, even if all he gives you is Jeff Smith for four years, that that's fine. Right. Sharon, Sharon peak. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's the, the floor clearly that you're hoping to at least get that. But Right. I think you're looking to get a guy like that. There and there, there's several guys like that in this draft. I'm, I'm not necessarily beholden to one of them. Um, I just want one of those guys that can can grow into a role in year two. Last question: Scale one to ten, how confident are you with Joe Douglas in this draft? Be honest. Um, uh, I don't know. I feel. So based on his draft history, I'm not, but I think with the pick swap in round one with him moving Elijah Moore and moving up in round two, and even, even the kind of the little, the little throw us a bone in this Rogers trade of moving up in round five. I think we have a, I think Joe Douglas has a clear plan on what he wants to do this draft and and I think he's had that in previous drafts too, but I think he he knows what he know he he knows what his evaluation of our roster is. He's in lockstep with our coaching staff, and he has probably two guys that he knows he's going to get, and he'll be fine with it, right? And and we'll just have to see it play out. So, uh, kind of a non-answer there. I'd I'd say generally pessimistic, pessimistic, but we'll see. All right, so let's move on. Uh, this week's Top Gun, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there... welcome to New York. Welcome to New York, right? This is, look at us. 
Who would have thought? We're the we're the Paul Rudd meme right now, man. I mean, <laughs> listen, I know a lot of people want to kill Joe Douglas. It's fine. You know, you want to play inside baseball or inside football, I guess, in this case. It's fine. Like, you know, do you have the draft nerds with the value and the this and the that and the contract and the cap and all that stuff? Listen, at the end of the day, when I turn on Jets football on Sunday, I want to win football games. And Aaron Rodgers presents the best chance for this team to win football games this year. Yes, sir. And I, I'm not going to be one of the crazies to say, oh, well, they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to be one of the crazies to say you're going to the AFC championship game. Listen, the conference is loaded and a lot of things is, are going to have to go right for the Jets. And, and with every football team, every team in the NFL, a lot of teams have to go right. There have to be some lucky breaks. The defense has to be as good as it was last year or maybe even better than last year, at least in the, in the linebacking core and at run defense. All of these things have to go right. But Ultimately, Aaron Rodgers, like you said before, presents the best option for this team to win football games this season and maybe even 2024. He just has to stay healthy. So he's a key and he hasn't always been healthy, but I'm I'm thrilled that he's a jet. I'm happy that he's a jet. I'm glad they finally got this done. We we are firmly in, and we talked through it last week. I think we are firmly in the tier two of teams in the AFC behind with, with Kansas City alone at tier one. I think we're in that mix. I, I was getting pushback on saying we're on the same tier as Cincinnati. I think we match up very well against Cincinnati. And obviously there's still moves to be made, but that secondary doesn't scare me. I, I think our secondary mitigates their best assets. I, I I think we're we we can compete with them. I think I think we can beat Buffalo. I think we can win the division. I think we can beat Jack like we can lose to all these teams too. Don't get me yes. wrong, but mm-hmm. we are very firmly in my mind in that second tier. And when you're in that tier and especially if you make the playoffs, you have a chance and really it's a war of attrition throughout the whole year, whichever team stays healthiest, whichever team has guys click in the right moments, that's who's going to win it. And and we are in the mix. Amen. And Ro- Aaron Rodgers is a jet man. It, yep. It's kind of, it's, it's wild. It's awesome. I mean, <laughs> you get to this point as a franchise, this is what you want. You want, and I understand the market wasn't there for him and all this stuff, but four time MVP, future hall of fame, quarterback, super bowl champion, super bowl MVP wanted to be here, wanted to be a New York jet. I mean, could have retired, could have retired, could have said, you know what? No, look at the jet. Like how many times have we seen, you know, the list of almost jets is, is long. You could you could build a Super Bowl team with the list of almost jets, right? But this is awesome. This is just great. So listen, whatever Sala and Douglas are, are selling these these players, it's a good thing. I mean, except for Fletcher Cox and you know, whoever else didn't want to play here and Calais Camp and you know other guys, but you know, for to get Rogers biggest fish in the pond, right? So very cool, very cool. This week's Geek of the Week was two. I have two, so I picked two. The New York Rangers went up 0-2. I mean, went up 2-0 on the, on the, on the New Jersey Devils. Dominated them first and two games. And then they let Jack Hughes cook, baby. Yeah. It, it's, just, it's just this team, and it's been a consistent for years. Yes, this is hockey talk on this podcast. Whether it was John Tortorella, whether it was Elaine Vigneault, whether it was David Quinn... Whether it's and now it's Gerard Gallant, Gallant again, there is zero killer instinct with this team, and it is infuriating to watch. How you go up 2-0 on the Devils, come back home to the Garden, and and look completely lifeless in two games, just it drove me insane. Zabanajad hasn't showed up, and I love Zabanajad. Panarin hasn't showed up, and he's another guy I love. But it's Panarin's just bad. Been- He's been invisible. especially these past two games. He's been pretty. He's had a lot of like potential chances that he's yep. just he's just he's missing. He's just he's, he's been pulling it. Good. He's not. Yep. Patrick Kane is another guy. Like you talk about looking washed. It looks like he's a second slower than everybody else on the ice with his decision making. And I know his hands are still good, but he enters his own with the puck, and it's like he doesn't know where to go, what to do. It's just it's driven me insane. So Rangers, you are the first geek of the week. Geek of the week number two. We are seeing with the Yankees right now, this is not an issue 
with anybody but one man. It's not Aaron Boone. It's not anybody. It's Brian Cashman, period. Brian Cashman did a poor job building this team. He re-signed Aaron Judge. He signed Carlos Rodon, who still hasn't thrown a pitch, and said, okay, my work here is done. They made no efforts to fix their outfield, and now Giancarlo stands hurt. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera is not that guy. Oswald Peraza is fine, whatever. Volpe is a rookie, fine, whatever. But the issues that you're seeing with this team go way beyond just the season right now. So uh, Josh Donaldson hurt. He's going to come back and he's going to stink. Aaron Hicks stinks. Uh, the pitching is is fine. The pitching is good. Like Garrett Cole looks like he's going to win the Cy Young, but it's everything else, man. It's it's systemic. It's systemic with this right now. So Brian Cashman, you are the other geek of the week this week. And it's just ter- it's just painful to watch. Very painful to watch right now. Very painful. Whew. All right. All right. So let's bring it in for landing. This is the landing strip. Uh, what's on your mind? Nothing. Nothing, man. I might I might be cooked this week. Back He's to work very cooked. And, and I back see it in your face. In my mind is, is glazed over. So nah, man. No, 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 no additions, no additions for Landon. Just happy Man. we got a rod excited for the draft. Got some good feedback from uh Jets Discord on what wing sauce to branch out and try this week on draft night. So, I think what gonna gonna add some uh Thai curry, okay? To the uh, we're gonna try it. We're gonna or sweet, sweet Thai. I don't know, Twi- Thai chili, Thai chili. I think was the man, the, you really are cooked, bro. Yeah, I am. Thai chili is what I what I'm gonna try to to add into the uh, rotation here on Thursday. We'll see if it see if it ages well. Never had a Thai chili. I keep it plain with my wing sauces. Yeah. I like to know exactly. I, I'm usually what I'm a, doing. a buffalo buffalo or barbecue kind of guy. Sauce sauce is good. Yeah, I'll mix, I'll mix in an Asian zing at, at B Dubs or a uh, a gar- parmesan garlic every now and then just to mix. I do it like up, the Asian but... zing. The Asian zing's good. I feel like they changed the recipe at some point. Because it used to be just like a nice like kick, but then it got like spicy. Yeah, I'm like I'm not sure that I I liked it as much as whatever, but it's still still good. Uh, so my landing strip thought golf is cruel and fickle, man. I was at the it was at the driving range on Monday night, and I was cooking, man. I was figuring out my driver. Everything was going straight, you know, maybe like a five yard deviation. I was like, oh my goodness, where did this come from? And I'm like. I went back to the driving range today and I just had nothing. I hit one ball backwards, bro. Like legit backwards. I hit it backwards and it bounced in the paddock and it landed near a couple guys and they like looked at me funny. And it was Hell. very, very, yeah. I don't yeah, know. How I, that happened, I can't but... talk. I, I'm not a golfer, man. That's the, it's tough. Not, it's cruel and fickle. My, uh, not my sport. Cruel and fickle golf is. What else is cruel and fickle is that this episode's now over. So uh, obviously you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a five-star review where applicable it does something for us. I'm, I still don't know why, but something. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN now without a check mark. Uh, Sliz, where can the people find you on Twitter? Yep, Sliz at, at Sliz underscore NYJ. He's totally cooked, folks. Struggling, He's falling asleep. We're, we're checking out. Asleep. We're checking out. <laughs> <laughs> you can always send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com. And Sliz, do you have it in you to tell people where to find the Discord? Discord.gg slash NYJets, baby. Come on in. Cue up those golden Joes. We're built. We're getting the last couple pieces for our Super Bowl run, baby. Let's go. Wow. There you go. That's that's the positive. That's the positive to take from this. Very exciting stuff. Very exciting. Super Bowl or bust, right? That's what Sliss said. It's a direct quote. Yes, uh, but, yes, <laughs> but anyway, uh, for Matt Solard, I am Joe Rivera reminding you, you can't take flight without jet fuel.